You are now tuned in to the Decoding Success Podcast, where we reveal game-changing habits, formulas, and routines from the world's most successful individuals to help you think and live larger. What is going on? You are tuned into episode 22 of the Decoding Success Podcast with your host, Matt Labrie. Our special guest today is Nicole Lappin. Nicole is the New York Times bestselling author of Rich Bitch and Boss Bitch. She was the youngest ever anchor on CNN before holding the same title at CNBC, in which she anchored the network's early morning show, Worldwide Exchange, while covering business topics for MSNBC and Today. She has served as an anchor for Bloomberg TV and a special money correspondent for entertainment tonight. Nicole is currently the host of the CW's business reality competition show Hatched. She contributes regular financial reports to Dr. Oz, Good Morning America, and the Steve Harvey Show. She is Red Book Magazine's first ever money columnist and the first female money expert of the year winner for the second year running. Nicole graduated as valedictorian from Northwestern University and recently released the online personal finance course, The Money School. Make sure you have your eyes peeled for her third book, Becoming Super Woman, which is set to be released in September of 2019. Before we get into today's episode, I want to give a huge shout out to all of you Decoding Success faithful that tune into the show. I never want it to be left unsaid how grateful I am for all of you that have taken the time to rate, review, and share, and all of that good stuff. And if you haven't, you know how much it would mean to me if you could drop a rating and review after the show. Without further ado, let's hop into today's interview with Nicole. Nicole, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. I truly do appreciate it. And I know how much value you're about to provide. So again, thank you. Oh, thank you for having me. I am so excited. Of course. So I am all about this no fluff, no BS policy, and I just hop right into things. So the way I start the show off is to ask the interviewee how they define success. So I'm curious, how do you define success? I define success by looking your destiny in the eye and grabbing life by the balls. I (laughs) am the least likely person to be a money expert and I figured out how to love the shit out of what I do, not do what I love. A lot of people say, go out and do what you love and that's success. And you know what? Not a lot of folks have the luxury to do that. So I think true success is figuring out how to make that your destiny and playing the uh, playing the cards you were dealt in the best way you possibly can. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Now, I'm curious to know because obviously life is going to throw those hurdles at us and those road bumps and those roadblocks, however you want to refer to them as. So how do you keep yourself on track to continuously achieve that definition of success? You know, I have really high self-awareness. It's something that I've worked on over the years. And when those things happen, I really don't sugarcoat them and figure out how I can learn and grow from them. I think the biggest sign of somebody who is successful and maintains success is having that self-awareness. Actually, in my second book, uh, Boss Bitch, I define boss as bold, obsessed, self-aware, and strong. And I actually think out of all of those four things, uh, the self-awareness is the biggest factor to staying on course. Yeah, for sure. Now, you're not the first person to mention self-awareness. And I personally think that's such a huge key in, you know, personal development and success in general. But how do you start to develop that self-awareness? 
Yeah, I think originally I had a lot of imposter syndrome and I felt like I didn't belong wherever I was. I started at CNN when I was super young and I thought my badge was not going to work going into the building every day uh, in Atlanta at the CNN headquarters. And I had to become comfortable within my own skin. Nobody could do that for me. And so once I was able to get rid of my imposter syndrome, I was able to, I think I went the other way where I felt like everything was rainbows and butterflies and I was probably more delusional that things were just going to work out for me and having a meeting meant that I was getting a deal. That, uh, that ended up finding its middle ground probably in the last five or six years only um, where I could really hone uh, the the difference between feeling not confident and having imposter syndrome and feeling overly confident, you have to find like that middle ground. And that's the self-awareness sweet spot. Yeah, I totally agree. And I feel like a lot of us, including myself, well, definitely myself, fall into that imposter syndrome, mainly because, you know, we're in this very technological era and social media is at, at our fingertips. And we're, you know, literally looking at the highlight reels of every single person every single day. So I, I personally, that's exactly why i fall into it from time to time. But you mentioned boss bitch. And I, I definitely want to dive into this because I know so many people that are tuning in want to know the answer to this question. How do you become a boss bitch? <laughs> I think it's having those four qualities that I mentioned um, and how we define success in the beginning by taking your destiny into your own hands, looking it in the eye, giving it a little wink if you want. I think that my books are 12-step plans for a reason. The first step is admitting you have a problem. They're also choose your own adventure for a reason because we go through a lot of different stages in our lives. And Boss Bitch is broken down into being the boss of you, being the boss within a bigger company, so being an entrepreneur, and then being the boss of your own business. And we go through, women in particular, different stages in our lives where I've worked for other people, but I felt entrepreneurial within that bigger company. I worked for myself. I could become the CEO of my family. Family. I could start another business, I could work for someone else, and like a bunch of different permutations in between. So I think a career well had looks more like a rope swing or rock climbing than a career ladder. So it's not your mama's career path. And that was my intention uh, to create a guide to help women navigate that. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like you took charge of your life at such a young age and it's shown right by being the youngest anchor in CNN and CNBC history and all of the other amazing feats you've accomplished. How did you develop that mindset specifically at such a young age to, to do everything that you've done? I didn't have a choice. I grew up in a really broken home. I'm first generation American. I just needed a job. And so I wanted to be on TV, but I was offered a job uh, in business news. And they asked me if I knew anything about business news. And I knew zero. Uh, first generation American kids often use cash, which is what I did. And didn't read the Wall Street Journal growing up and like thought bonds had to do with bond girl or something. <laughs> And I just faked it till I made it. I was like, absolutely. I love business news. And I hated it so, so, so much. And uh, that's going back to the second thing we talked about, which was 
you know, loving what you do, not necessarily doing what you love. Because the last thing I ever wanted to be was in business. And I figured out how to love that and fast forward a decade later, really make that my own. Um, I started wanting to be a writer in college and I was wanted to get poetry major and all of this stuff. And I was like, oh, I need to make money. So maybe I go into journalism. But what's interesting is that I ended up becoming a writer, just not the kind I expected. Yeah. Now I'm curious, right? And the question I want to ask is what's your piece of advice for someone searching for their purpose? Um, But like that doesn't always necessarily pay the bills, right? So how do you kind of tie those together? It definitely doesn't pay the bills all the time. And I'm very sensitive to keeping it real and understanding that. I think it's actually irresponsible for a lot of business experts to go out and say, like, just go do it YOLO, like start an alpaca farm or that artisanal cheese shop you've always dreamed of. Just do it. Like, it's not now when. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, you have to pay the bills. Like, is that a joke? Um, And so I think it's about coming up with what really gets you excited. Um, I actually have this in my second book, I think, Um, an exercise to do that, uh, where you write down all the things that you're jazzed about and get you excited. And then all of the things that your company or whatever you're doing stands for. And then you find the shaded part of that Venn diagram. And that's your sweet spot. That's like whether it's a side hustle, whether it's your main hustle, whether it's your side hustle wanting to be your main hustle, like that zone is where the magic happens. For sure. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great. Now, I want to talk making money moves with you. I'm a big believer that once you develop that mindset and, you know, you have a clear understanding of what it is you want out of life, the next step really becomes, you know, the resources you need to get it right. And that resource could be a network or even money, right? So let's focus on money right now. What's your advice to creating or finding those resources take the money school that i just created an entire school to teach you about that um but without self-promoting um but you can go to themoneyschool.com if you want to find out. Um, I will say that really it's coming up with goals first. And so people tell me all the time that they want a million dollars and that they would be stoked if they just had a million dollars and that's it. And I say to them, okay, cool. What do you want to do with that million dollars? Maybe you need more than a million dollars. I don't know. Maybe you need less than a million dollars. I have no idea. First figure out the life you want to live and then reverse engineer to figure out how to get the money to live the life you want. For sure. Now, I just want to let everyone know that's listening. Nicole is doing a huge favor to everyone listening. She is giving a discount to the money school specifically for people listening to this show. So Nicole, I just want to say thank you for that. And on top of that, how did you find yourself overcoming your financial adversity, right? Because you, you know, you mentioned life wasn't always peaches and cream. You know, you I think I read this in one of your books or on your website. You said that you made 20K a year, but then you also had that matching in credit card debt. So how did you find yourself overcoming that? Yeah. So I originally, you know, growing up in that immigrant family had the mentality that you keep cash under the sink. I had like a safe with green cash just because that's the way I grew up. And there's a point that comes for me. It also happened when I became a vegetarian where you think to yourself just the, because it's always been done a certain way doesn't mean It needs to always be this way for me. Right now, I'm not living in my parents' house. I am a grown-ass person. And just because it's always been done this way means, you know, 
I get to decide if that's how it continues. And so when I thought about that for eating meat, I was like, maybe I like meat. That's great. But there, that, there's that moment where you have to ask yourself whether or not it's right for you moving forward. And the same thing happens with money. When I kept putting that green cash under the sink just because of you know, habit, um, just because I was my father's daughter, and I racked up a bunch of credit card debt. So that's not smart to keep putting like literally green cash under my sink and then having a boatload of credit card debt compounding. And so when it became out of control, I didn't know how to tackle it. We don't learn this stuff in school. That's why I also created a school because it's ridiculous that we don't learn basic personal finance stuff. And I broke it down by the day. I came up with a plan to prioritize, to pulverize my debt. And I broke it down to $7 a day or something like that. And the bigger number felt really overwhelming, but the little number felt manageable that I could actually tackle that. And so breaking overwhelming tasks down into steps, especially with finances, really makes it something that you can not only do, but stick to for the long run. The same thing when you're doing your taxes. If you sit on the floor with a bunch of receipts and like all the things you need to do one day and say, I'm going to cut, you know, I'm going to spend all my Saturday doing this. What ends up happening is you're going to end up with a bottle of wine and a thing of ice cream because, and your taxes are not going to be a done. Instead, day one, just uncrinkle your receipts. Day two, put them into little piles, you know, breaking them down into steps. You're like, oh yeah, I could do that instead of the overwhelming bigger task. I love that. Now, totally fucking random, but did you just say you were vegetarian? Yeah, I'm vegan. Yeah. You're vegan. All right. So cool. This is a very selfish question, but I would love to know how you feel that impacts your, your day-to-day productivity or whatever the case is. Has it made like a significant difference? You know, it's just something that works for me. I, I am not a preacher about it. I just find that it works for my body. And I think when I'm really in touch with my body and on my routine, I think I'm ultimately more successful. I mean, your body is your business card. So if you're not good, then your business is not going to be good. And that goes along for maintaining health stuff. Um, not trying to sound like a mama, but you know, <laughs> it really, the self care, um, this, this is actually my third book, uh, talks a lot about this where you have to put your oxygen mask on first before helping others. And so when I feel like my eating is like on point, I don't know. What do you think? Does that, does that resonate with you? Then I feel like other things are more on point. No, I, I totally get it. And I feel like being in tune with who you are and you know, what works for you is amazing. I'm personally a carnivore, but (laughs) I'm trying to break that habit really, really badly. So I'll have one day vegan, one day vegetarian. And then I'm like, oh shit, there's steak, you know? So I'm definitely trying to break that. But what else do you do for self-care? Do you like find yourself meditating or anything of that sort? So I really stick to a gratitude journal in the morning and in the night. When I don't, I can feel the difference. Um, And I have a morning and evening routine that I try to keep sacred if possible. Um, And that includes the gratitude journal, um, some active kindness and exercise. Um, For me, meditating doesn't work on headspace and like sitting in a room, Om Shanti style. It just has never worked for me. It doesn't resonate. Um, And that's 
cool. I found other ways, um, like taking random classes to be very meditative. So I'll go to a latte art making class, or I've taken an improv class, or a tomahawk throwing class, or archery, or like the most random, crazy one-off classes, I find to be most meditative because you're doing something repetitive, making a dream catcher. Like you just do the same thing over and over again. And then I find that has the same effect for me. Yeah, no, I love that. That's great. I, I love how you just get yourself out there and try different things too. That's so awesome. Uh, so I, I always finish the show off with two questions. Now, the first is, what was a piece of advice you were given that you didn't necessarily want to hear, but it proved to be true over time? That I didn't want to hear. I don't know. I want to hear all the things. <laughs> I love hearing things, especially criticism um, that I didn't want to hear, but it became true over time. You know, I think it has to probably do with the self-care and the burnout. I felt really burnt out last year and I never thought that could be me. I wrote the book Rich Bitch and Boss Bitch and I was like on top of the world. And I had heard from mentors in the field that I, the pace I was going at was not sustainable. And I was like, that's bullshit. Everybody's just weaker than me. <laughs> and it's not, <laughs> um, it's definitely not. I, I found that out the hard way and it's probably not advice that I was ready to hear. Not necessarily that I didn't want to hear it. Um, I was curious about it, um, but I just wasn't ready to hear it when I did uh, as I was coming up in my career. So it, it was true though. It's definitely true. It's um, figuring out how to maintain your own balance and whatever that is. It's not, even Steven, where it's like work and play and, you know, everything's on a scale, you know, um, lady justice style, 50, 50, um, you know, it's, it, in my next book, I actually help break down what, uh, that division looks like for something that can be sustainable because self care, I think is, um, what people don't realize is the biggest key to success. I know that there was a lot of studies done around EQ, um, emotional um, intelligence, of course, uh, grit, a lot of studies around that. I think self-care is the biggest factor to success. For sure. No, I love that. That's great advice. Now, if you could end this with a piece of advice for someone that's a success-driven individual in under one minute, what would that advice be? I think that... You, to figure out the mindset that you'll be happy when you get there is a broken equation. I used to think like, I'll be happy when I get to this job or that salary or whatever. And the equation is backwards. More happiness will bring you more success in the long run. So it's about flipping that. For sure. I definitely appreciate you taking the time out of your day, Nicole. It has been a pleasure. I appreciate you bringing all this value. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Now, let me ask, where can people stay in touch with you? Where, where are you on social? Uh, at Nicole Lappin or NicoleLappin.com or the Money School, which we mentioned. Awesome. I appreciate it. Thank you again, Nicole. Thanks, Matt. 
And there you have it. Special shout out to Nicole for coming through and adding so much value on so many different topics, right? From mindset development to being a boss. And she defines boss as bold, obsessed, self-aware, and strong. I absolutely love that. I will most definitely be using that. And you know what? Nicole has graciously blessed everyone listening right now with a special offer to her new curriculum, which we talked about on the show multiple times called The Money School. Nicole teaches you how to talk the money lingo, taking control of that money, growing that money, and so much more. Take Nicole up on this offer. Head over to themoneyschool.com and use decoding50 at checkout to start making money moves that will benefit you tremendously. Thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of the Decoding Success Podcast. Until next time, be blessed. Peace.